All right, welcome to Now This Is Podcasting. I'm Connor, and I'm here as always with Calvin. Hello. And we are talking about Fresh today. This was uh, another suggestion by Steve. He uh, suggested I Am Sam not too long ago. So hopefully it's another banger. Yeah, we're trying to replicate the success of a video being stuck on repeat somewhere. I don't know. The, the, the internet <laughs> metaverse. We don't get a lot of views, but that one has done so well. And it's like, it wasn't very popular when it came out. It's not very popular now, so I have no idea why it's gotten so much interest. But uh, fresh, uh, Calvin, do you want to give us like a give us like a brief synopsis of it? It's an allegorical story of millennial women dating that turns into a locked in a basement horror movie. And yeah, I mean, it's both of those things. It's one of those one of those things at the beginning, and then another of those things at the end, and. For me, they don't go together, but I think that's why we're here. Why I think that's why this is going to be interesting to talk about. Right. I think when I went into it, my thought was this is uh, going to be a, like a body mutilation, like body horror, like Saw or Hostel or it was it like Human Centipede. And it ends up not being that. Um, it really, like I said, it, like you said, it's like really kind of angsty millennial dating and how awkward and weird it can be. Like there's a part where she's met this guy, but he doesn't have an Instagram or anything. And I've dated on Tinder and I don't have an Instagram or a Snapchat. And I remember girls asking me like, why don't you have that? And it ends up popping up in this movie. It's like, oh, red flag. Like, yeah, have that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, I actually made an Instagram uh, for that very reason when I started dating um, and again. And uh, yeah, when um, when Katya told her sister, she's like, you have like, you have like six photos. I, was like, <laughs> yeah. I, I have one though. Like, it shows right. that I'm real and I have other friends. She's like, fair enough. It's still weird though. I was like, well, I can't even win with having a half-ass yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instagram. But I thought like that at least seems like a part that's like really authentic to this movie. That's like what online dating is. I mean, you need to have, you need to fit all this criteria. You need to prove that you're not a creepy person that's going to murder someone. Uh, and you do that by having these different social media platforms. Yeah. And if you don't, it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a red flag. <laughs> I think it's silly that it ends up um, uh, being a self-fulfilling prophecy, though. You know, like that it's, oh, it's an actual red flag that it doesn't have an Instagram. Not in the fact that there's a whole host of other factors that go into personality that would make someone um, an actual terrible person to date. You know, right. Like the fact that they cut people up and eat their flesh. I don't think that you can really, you can you can get that idea from whether or not someone has an Instagram or not. I agree. Uh, so this was directed by Mimi Cave. This is her first theatrical film. It was uh, released on Hulu, so this doesn't have like a box office or anything like that. Uh, it had a budget of 15 to 20 million. It was written by Lauren Kahn. She did this movie, Abitha, on Netflix. That was like the last thing that she was credited as writing. Hmm. Um, and it's an hour and 54 minutes long. Uh, I feel like you could have hacked this movie up a little bit and made it shorter because it's not a lot to it especially when you get into what I think we'll talk about is like the second half of the movie, which is like after 30 minutes and it becomes very tropey and it's like, we already know this story. You could probably cut it down a little bit. Yeah. I think that's the, the, the main thing I want to talk about is the structure of this film is very strange. Um, the first 30 minutes are are wonderful. Like, let's talk about the first 30 minutes because everything that this movie does right, does correctly, and does interestingly is in the first 30 minutes. Right. Um, I love how it starts. She goes on a date with like a crappy guy. Yeah. He's of like, course his name's Chad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's great. <laughs> yeah, like the like the, the quintessential millennial dating experience. Like, oh, I met a Chad. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
he's actually that that actor is in uh what is it jane the virgin and he plays like a really sweet nice loving boyfriend and he's like a total douchebag in this so it's funny <laughs> to see him i got like roped into watching that show for a little bit uh so it's weird to see him be terrible <laughs> but yeah just how rude he is to, to the waitress too and everything yeah yeah it's, it's like sparkling it, water bubble bubble i was yeah. like oh my god this guy's the worst yeah oh my god <laughs> yeah he was that that whole scene was very uh it felt interesting and fresh and like not your it's not your tor- your typical meathead that uh i feel like that's always what those types of characters are in other dating movies like very overt and over the top but now we're we're exploring the idea of nice guys coming in all shapes and sizes right and i think that's that's wonderful because you can you can look like a good guy or an unassuming person and still be a terrible person you know whether or not you think you are like you're coming off as awful yeah yeah and so i like the way it kind of sets up that fear that some women women have with dating and everything uh after the date she goes to get to her car and she's like fiddling with the keys and she hears someone behind her and she becomes a fearful and it's just a guy like walking with his baby i mean it's not a big deal um i think she she dresses really kind of like an unflattering way i think to probably like not draw attention you know she's always in kind of like baggy clothes and sweats so i think that's another without her makeup done or hair done yeah and i think that's a like a strategy that some women have adopted and used because they're like i don't want this attention i don't need meant to be all over me or objectify me and so like the idea that she would tone all that down and the boyfriend or the the guy she's on the date with chad even says something he's like i think you would just look good in a dress yeah oh man i saw this great uh tweet on on reddit uh yesterday it was talking about um a guy made a post about like uh women forgiving their abusers or whatever because if you don't forgive them then you're just attracting more abusers and then like one of the comments was like um expressed as a percentage how much of your time is spent asking women to take their earbuds out <laughs> i literally read that today yeah. <laughs> it's a great tweet <laughs> and i think that's exactly what's yeah i can't remember if she's wearing earbuds in that scene but she definitely needs some earbuds right. and they definitely need to not even be on because i think that's that's a strategy i've i've read about too like you know you can just ignore someone because they'll just assume that you can't hear them because of their earbuds right um yeah so all of that like it it really uh sets the stage of like what it's what it's like to be viewed as something you know and trying to not trying to look like something that can't be viewed or is off the menu right um another thing that the writer had said is uh she says there's this feeling that i think a lot of women understand or that only women understand uh this subconscious way we operate in the world uh where we park uh do we have our keys in hand uh do we have our friend on speed dial uh things that men typically don't think twice about and she said that that was something she wanted to explore in this film and I think at least in the first 30 minutes, that's like translated really well. Yeah. And it's also like it, it feels almost uh, like cynical or condescending sometimes the way that the tone of the movie says, like, there's nothing nothing to worry about. You can take all these precautions. But the music is very light and poppy. Right. Um, Steve, when she meets him in the grocery store, seems genuine and goofy, terrible jokes, lots of puns. I mean, this movie loves puns. Um, yeah. You know, it, there's this when she's standing there and she meets him, there's a sign above her that says fresh meat. Oh uh, yeah. In the grocery store. <laughs> Which is weird. Cause they're in the vegetable section. Yeah. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Um, but, yeah. He seems like fun guy. You know, he's, uh, Noah mentions, mentions to her friend Molly later. She's like, I didn't think people met each other in real life anymore. And, yeah. And it, and it seems like a, a, what Katya said it the other day when we were talking about this film, she's like, yeah, it's a real meat cute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, uh, so I like the way been. that it, it's, it's, 
kind of throws a wrench in that whole millennial dating where it's like, oh, like I actually meant to met an interesting person in person. It wasn't, I didn't have to go through all the other kind of like hoops of social media to, to get to a date. Yeah. But at the same time, there do, there do seem to be signs of like darkness or, or an, an evil presence like that is assumed of all men. Um, that and that's just the mind of like what a millennial woman would think or like i mean any woman really i think like we say this as millennial because it's happening now but i'm sure any woman has gone through these same ideas of walking through a a city or a a grocery store late at night by themselves and there's that one shot of uh the guy um in the dairy section who's just opened up the milk and started drinking (laughs) yeah and i think that's that is it fits thematically um, as a symbol of uh, I can take whatever I want. I consume whatever I want, whenever I want. And you're on the menu whenever I say you can be mm-hmm. whether and it's and you don't have to go through the proper channels. And I think that's why that that behavior is so creepy in this movie is because that's that's uh, an overt metaphor uh, is this idea of food and consumption uh, against someone's will. Yeah. So now they've gone on their date this is like some of the camera work that like I don't like in this movie. Cause I think it's actually filmed really well. It has like some really interesting shots, some cool use of mirrors and everything like that. Mm. I hate people eating and talking and the camera is like right on their mouth and nose. Yeah. It's just always bothered me. I know it's a way to like convey intimacy and, and I think it can work. It's just like a personal thing for me. Uh, were there any other shots and stuff that you liked, like I guess going uh, into like the first half of this movie? Yeah, I loved that shot. I loved again. It was another uh, another repeated motif of that idea of of eating and what just that simple act of uh, between two people can mean at different points. So here, like it's ex- expressing a connection and uh, a shared experience, which is then repeated, but later on in the movie when they're actually eating someone, they're actually eating human flesh. And that takes on such a darker tone because we are sharing in this experience yeah. here, but it, it is, it's a completely different thing. Like all, all of the, the tensions between this relationship have changed and we don't really, we don't really know where the movie is going to go or what the story is going to do from here because we understand what it's like to share a meal with someone, but we don't understand what it's like to share a meal with a captor who is a cannibal. Right. That's, those are two major things that you just kind of sit there and like, wow, this is this is a really novel idea. Mm-hmm. I think another shot I liked is the uh, Noah in the shower after they've slept together. And I think it's just really supposed to like drive home the, the idea of flesh and this meat. And it, that's really what she ends up being for him. Mm-hmm. I think there's some like genuine parts to their relationship. Like I think even after he's captured her, like he still cares about her, but he also is going to do this thing that he always does, you know, seduce women or capture women and then carve them up. But it feels like it's still like a genuine part to his character. Like he did care, but I like the shot of her in the shower and it's like kind of just setting up like, this is uh, what, this is like his real goal is to like get this meat, you know? Yeah. And I don't think he really does care about her. I just think he like, he, he sees her as something to be attained and he thinks that she's really attractive or really cool and let's like yeah this is mine now it's a possession um i do think though that the first 30 minutes are wonderful they they feel like a really really fun couple like a re- i feel like that, that was a really good rom-com yeah i, I saw your note about that and i was like i couldn't agree more it yeah. does it feels like it's gonna set up like a really a really like nice cute love story yeah and a really and yeah a really good one like i feel like most rom-coms don't don't set up uh the connection between characters as well as you were set up 
here. Um, which is weird because, yeah, it was all for the pretense of horror. Right. So about 32 minutes into this movie is where uh, they are going on a weekend getaway. And Steve is drugged Noah's drink and she knocks out. And that's when the credits start. We recently talked about Drive My Car and that has credits like 44 minutes in or 45 minutes in. It was just funny to me. We, we did these two movies like so close together and I was like, what the hell? Like, what is this new yeah, credits this, trend? Yeah, <laughs> this new trend. Exactly. But I think what ha- what that was in Drive My Car, it was it was 45 minutes of setting up the um, thematic tension and uh, the grief associated with that character. Um, whereas here, I feel like now it's this is it's stating this is where the story begins and this is the point mm-hmm. of what we're trying to say which is so sad because the last uh hour and 15 minutes right it's an hour and 45 yeah like hour 50 something like that yeah yeah the last hour 35 minutes are significantly worse in terms of uh their novelty yeah no that's when it becomes very tropey horror yeah so if that's where you think that your story is oh, suddenly oh now we're getting things are getting good like I feel like you missed you misunderstood what you were what where your talents lie. Yeah. Um. In in movie making. Yeah, she should just go make a rom com after this. Yeah, exactly. Probably execute it really well. Um. That would be interesting. I think we should talk like the, we'll talk more about like f- some of the feminist uh inspiration for this movie. It'd be really interesting to talk about like feminist inspired rom coms. I don't. I can't think of any. Well, no, because they always have like. It's always, it always feels like the woman is more objectified and she's the one who, if anyone's taking off their clothes, it's usually them. Yeah. And, and it's always about like some ugly comedian who gets like the girl of his yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like Paul Blart gets, you know, Cameron yeah. Diaz or something. Billy like Crystal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I'd actually like to see a movie that's more focused on, yeah, that the relationship between them and not the weird turn, the dark turn it takes. Like just... Because I thought you're right. The first 30 minutes is a really good job of like setting these characters up and like what future, what the future holds for them. And then, yeah, it gets derailed yeah. with a horror movie. I think it, well, at the same time, like I really think that um, it, that twist, that turn is, it hits harder because of how well they executed in the first 30 minutes. Um, so it's not the fact that we ultimately turn away from it. It's the fact that the the second half, that the horror elements of this movie are just so boring. Yeah. They're so formulaic. Um, I don't know why you structure this movie this way. If, the, if your message was, was something about like the fears of dating, I don't know why you made it a, an hour 35 minute trapped in a room basement like there are so many pro- so many other films that i thought of watching this like if anyone's watched the tv show the oa uh 10 cloverfield lane get out like all of those movies i had the exact same feeling um at different points watching this it's like this is not interesting this isn't even like in the way that get out um uh has social commentary Fresh is also lacking that so it doesn't even it, it doesn't even mean anything so the fact that you have made a very digestible story and it's it's so shallow right i i at least would would have wanted some other type of horror story well and i think you've set it up too with with noah and like the the fear that comes with dating and i think that's all set up really well and the idea is like you get on these dating sites and you you go through kind of the rigmarole of all that and then your worst fear is ending up in this situation so to have a movie where that like just literally happens I mean, it kind of gets kind of the air let out of it. It's like it doesn't become really a commentary on it anymore. It's just that's literally what's happening. 
Yeah, and I'd say that's actually also my other real big problem with this movie. It's not about the experience that your worst fears come alive. It's the fact that um, this is all about narrative. We rope in uh, Steve and we spend time on uh, how he does his job. Uh, we rope in Steve's wife, Anne, and explore their relationship. We rope in Molly and her search for Noah. So you have all of these other characters that only uh, are there for the end of the movie. They're all driving the plot towards the end, but they're not saying anything about the narrative. Any, or, I mean, they're not saying anything about the theme anymore. So if you had just spent more time on like, wow, everything that I've ever known or everything that I'd worried, like I thought I was so careful. I thought I had found someone. Spend some time on that. Right. I don't think that we really get any of that in the end other than a than a, a chiding half like I told you he didn't have an Instagram. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's stupid. Like that's I, I think that's the thing is like you can if you really wanted to make it a commentary it's like look at how I did all of these things right. And I can still be a victim to, to just expand the idea of like why victim blaming is such a, a terrible exercise. Like, well, what were you wearing? Like, oh, I'm sorry. I was seven. Like, that's why I was abused. Yeah. Like it had nothing to do with what I was wearing. Like those are the types of things that I would want to I would have expected a story about um, dating and about the nature of men um, who are who treat women terribly, I would have expected a story to, to talk about those types of things. But instead, it, we just fall into um, a completely other, you know, this is the form and we pour the buckets in this in in this hole and in this hole and that's all. We can't have anything. If it gets too full, then it spreads out into the other holes and it just fills those. There's, yeah. there's, we're not creating anything. I guess maybe to play devil's advocate a little bit, how it could still be kind of a commentary on you you did everything right she was like cautious and she thought she found someone that like she really connected with shared her location with her friend yeah um i think you could say that the the fact that steve stays like really charming charismatic guy throughout the entire film like he, he feels like the same steve no matter what even you know before he's captured her and then after he's the same guy and i think you could say that part of the commentary you could say is uh you know, even when you think you know someone, like they could still have this like secret or something about them that you don't know. And so that's part of why I, I still like Steve's character a lot in this. I think he kind of steals the show for me. Oh, definitely. Still love Steve's character. Yeah. And and I think part of, for me, what makes the movie like keeps it interesting is just how kind of genuine he feels the whole time. It's, I think you could land in a movie like this where all of a sudden your villain character has completely changed. And now he's just this calculated surgeon who's going to start carving you up. He's not that. Like, he's, like, playing all this upbeat music, like, while he's in his OR and everything. Like, he's still the same guy. Yeah, he's just sliding around in his socks playing 80s pop hits. (laughs) I think, yeah, and I think that's great. And I I wish we would just focused on just them, just Noah and Steve and how this is a weird, uh, how this is an allegory for um, tricking someone into a toxic relationship, you know? Yeah, I would have liked that more too. I think that's also something that you can say, like even if you did everything right and even if you found someone that you thought was good, you can still end up in a bad relationship. Um, And I think this movie has notes of that. Like I I think it exists in parts, but it's not, it it never ends up being like your theme or like the driving force of the plot. It ends up being like crappy horror movie is your plot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that all of that was, um, everything was just a a, a vehicle to... uh, bring in a certain audience into this is oh this is the experience you feel right women uh watching this horror movie that like 
uh, you wouldn't otherwise watch. Yeah. I think that's the thing. Is that that's what bugs me the most is that um, there's a there's a cynical way in that this movie was made and like we want someone we want someone to tell this exact story with just a slight bit of rounding edges for a feminist theme. Right. And that way we'll still make money and we can look like we're progressive. Yeah, I get that. I wish we had Katya on for this one. I think we can we can come up with like an empathize and come up with as many reasons as we want for what this movie means. But it would be nice to have like a woman's opinion, like be like, no, this is definitely how I felt dating. Uh, because yeah. I think a lot of what the writer said does ring true. That I mean, I don't really worry where I parked. I don't have my friends on speed dial. I'm not nervous when I'm walking around in the dark at night. Like that's it. Really, isn't something I think about. And so I think having this in the movie is valuable for that reason. I just I wish I could like maybe empathize or understand that in a better way. And that that would be a good reason to have Katya on for this one. <laughs> yeah, I really wish that we had explored it like in at the same time you can have a narrative happening while it still explores themes. And if that's if that's the theme that you wanted, um it goes away the moment she's locked in a basement. So you either need some meditation there, some um self-reflection uh just with a a person talking to themselves that type of thing that doesn't have anything to do with the plot or you need to flip-flop the amount of time we spend on the beginning i think that i think that the more time you spend on showing how great their relationship is how fun bubbly and charming and charismatic he is how great he seems the longer you can wait for that twist the harder it's going to hit oh absolutely i think if like the last 30 minutes of this is her you know being captive and then quickly coming up with a plan to get out of this i think yeah then that like really would smack you and you'd be like wait what am i watching right now and just have like that quick turn i think you're right if you if if you change the structure the time spent on each one and flop them make it an hour and 15 of happy relationship and then turn it then it makes the impact of the reveal of who steve really is it makes it a a much like bigger impact Mm -hmm. so the last thing i i mean i've kind of insinuated this um but this movie is being praised in a lot of circles uh for its subversion of traditionally misogynistic horror tropes like uh i.e the the final girl um apparently that's a trope i mean obviously this is what this is the part of things the the part of the episode where nice to have kati on yeah but apparently <laughs> like it's a it's a trope that there's only one girl that lives um yeah only, you i know, could see that like your texas chainsaw massacre or stuff like that where yeah. yeah the girl the one girl escapes at the end yeah exactly uh the 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 minority that gets killed um uh you know the male rescuer um and also like that the, is my favorite trope that they didn't put into this i love that the bartender like figures out where they are and then he hears the gunshots and he goes nope I, I've seen movies. We don't survive this. And yeah. he just leaves. Yeah. I thought it was great. <laughs> I thought it I thought it was funny and so out of place. Um, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Like why I like, I enjoy it as a thing, but it's also like you're you're really uh, messing with the pacing of uh, uh, your action sequence. For sure. Yeah. So that's, you know, I would have this movie was not self-aware enough that I think that you should have included that. But I do like I do like it as a thing in a vacuum. It's a fun idea to play with. And I think there's enough humor built into the movie. It's certainly like a has dark humor to it. Uh, and that's just a funny scene. So I think it doesn't I mean, it's not completely out of touch with the tone, but I think you're probably right. Like you fit it in a different way. Yeah, I, I agree. It's not out of uh, it's definitely in tone. Um 
kind of. I mean, the thing is, is that everyone else follows the same paths of uh, other horror tropes. Like, oh, you definitely shouldn't go uh, confront uh, your friend's boyfriend's uh, wife. Right. And uh, go into her home. That's a bad idea. Well, I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, all of those things. Like, they, they all follow the same patterns because that's how you get to a story. So the fact that you have this guy following there and, like, he's the only one that's self-reflective enough to be like, nah. I, I feel like that should have been an express uh, intent of making your film. It's like, we want to subvert all tropes. We right. want to take a very normal story, a very traditional horror idea and formula with, and keep the skeleton and then just every single joint of the skeleton, turn it the other direction. I think that would be, that would be interesting. That would be novel. And you could still take a, tell a really good story here. Doing one of them feels like <sighs> progressive showmanship, you know? Okay. And, yeah. And I think that's like I think that's like a lot of the problem I have with with saying that this movie is some people call this movie progressive for subverting tropes. And I don't agree with that. I think that, again, like what I was saying, like putting it into a normal uh, locked in the basement horror story and then shaping it with feminist progressive tropes. I think that says to me that the studio was so cynical that they didn't think women could actually sell a horror story. So they had to take a, a traditional story and then just make it uh, a little bit more interesting so that your normal male audience isn't going to notice that these things happened. Right. But you'll bring in female uh, audience members as well. That to me isn't progressive. You're just you're just a part of a, uh, of a virtue signaling commodity then. Right. Um, that kind of leads me into how Anne, um, Steve's wife, how do you think she operates in this? And I guess like, is it, is she, what does she represent as far as like a progressive culture? The writer said that she was writing this during the Trump uh, election. And she thought a lot about Anne as a character who is a woman that doesn't help women, like isn't supportive. You know, she compared it to like women who uh, are a part of like legislation that stops reproductive rights and things like that. So I think that actually is exactly how her character is. Uh, she certainly is not a woman that helps other women. I think it's pretty overt how she's used in the movie to represent that. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that that's, I don't know that I would silly to say it, like that's progressive either. You're yeah. just acknowledging something that is like a, a hindrance or a, you could, would be like a burden in society. Something that if we were able to shed that, we, then we would be progressive. Yeah. Because the other part of it too is she's very clearly a victim. I mean, she's missing half of her leg for what the movie insinuates was also to be eaten. She's clearly in an abusive relationship with Steve. Right. So I think there's a little bit of like they they want to uh, create nuance around her character, but also condemn her very hard, which is weird because also you, you really have to condemn Noah to a, a certain degree too because she does what she needs to. She eats uh, right. the human meat that's put on her plate. So she's a part of it too. Like whether she threw up afterwards or held, blah, 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 you know, whatever. It's this, it's very, it's very much the same thing. Like you do what you have to do to, to survive these types of things. Right. So that's, that's really my problem with like when, when you say, if you had just made Anne like, 
because it's not, we don't need it to reflect real life. You know, there are plenty of women that are also in very similar situations that are making these, this, these decisions about uh, fighting against women's reproductive health for the same reason. Like they've just been brainwashed or they've just been told women are a certain way and they don't want other women to have uh, rights that they didn't have. Like that's totally a thing that exists in real life. That's just not the nuance you need to tell in a story like this. If that's like, if you want to create characters like that, you need to really condemn the action and you can't create a person out of it. I think right. Anne is one of the few uh, people that is a person with, oh, I'm not sure how I feel about you because clearly you're in a bad situation, but you're making bad decisions. So I, I, I don't love it. I don't think she's as much a victim as the movie makes it out to be uh, or, or is like what you've said because she's missing the leg. So my assumption is that she was like an early victim and mm-hmm. for whatever reason they got along well, so he didn't follow through with like, butchering her all the way they end up getting married because i think they get along on some level and they're both like they're both into what's going on because when steve is dead one of the first things she said she's like get his body on ice like implying that he's going to be butchered now and sold so it's like she's really like she's as much about this operation as he is it seems except for when they're at the house when they're at the house she seems really scared uh for molly that she needs to leave and the same thing, like when they're both in the bathroom, she's looking at the mirror and then Steve comes up behind her and touches her shoulder and she kind of shirks away. I think there is a, a power dynamic that's insinuated there that's not explored then at the end. It, I almost would have wanted her to be like a little happy. you know. Right. Um, I, I think that the way her character is written is, is too all over the place because I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think she it doesn't work very well for me that she's fearful of Steve sometimes, but then also like, let's kill these girls and eat them in other points. So. And it doesn't seem like she's feigning that at the end. Like, Steve's gone. If she was truly af- afraid, why is she go after Noah to kill her? Mm-hmm. Like, she obviously, like, she lost a partner. She lost someone she cared about. This, like, business they have is going to be affected. So that's what I think is, it's too, uh, th- that character is real cattywampus. It's like, I don't really, <laughs> I don't really get when she's afraid. Is she actually on board with this? It, it just feels too all over the place for a character that I think is, like, pretty pivotal to, like, kind of tie in the end. Yeah, to tie in, like, if you wanted to keep this through line of uh, uh, of symbols and themes, then she cannot have the nuance that she does because it says too many things. Yeah. I think if you wanted to, to create a really interesting picture about the dynamics that um, do happen around these things, then totally. But you can't have a horror movie that's so formulaic with, ex- and its only point is to tell this story. Right. You know? I think the thing I wanted to end on, and we had discussed this before recording, was the use of all like these pagan and satanic symbols like on the plates i think there's like a watch and stuff and it feels like it got really tropey again because it's like i think the movie works out a lot better if what steve said is true he is a vegetarian and he doesn't eat people at all and this is just a business for him yeah i think that makes him a much it makes him a much scarier predator than someone who is just like fulfilling like a an addiction or need they have to like he he needs to eat people and he hasn't been able to share that part of himself with most people. Yeah. And I think what's also interesting, if you uh, like, you have just a random Ouroboros symbol behind uh, a Baphomet symbol, it, it implies this secrecy yeah. of it. But you're afraid of all men. So make it a big corporate logo. Yeah. Like, you know, make it like something like Safeway, King Supers. And like, I think that's a whole lot more terrifying. It's like, this is the fabric of our society, not some secret um, one percenters who just like to feed on because they have all of the money in the world. No, it's it's all man. Because yeah. Chad is the one whose number shows up on her phone at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. implying it's like, it's everybody. Yeah. You know? 
I so I don't know why you, why you just throw in yeah like it's a silly horror trope when it's 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 about this pervasiveness yeah. of, of dread. It's like the director is like yeah I need to let the audience know like this is evil eating people's evil you can yeah. tell because of the goat head like i think it's stupid i it didn't didn't need to be in the movie and i i definitely i like the idea of it just being like it's just an income for him yeah and that makes him so much scarier the one thing i wish that they had explored even a little bit more i know it's insinuated um pretty heavily but the fact that uh noah eats some of molly i wish that we really explored that that shame of 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 Noah doing that, mm-hmm. um, some self reflection, some type of uh, uh, symbolic inference, but it's not it's nothing. You know, you could you could watch this movie and totally miss that, right? Yeah, because it's really just. I think the only thing that she does to really kind of move past it or absolve herself is just the puking at the end. Yeah, which yeah, is it's like okay, well. yeah, well, whatever. So. I guess my last question, like just to to drive home the point is, you know, this movie certainly was trying to do different things, was definitely written from a feminist point of view. Overall, though, do you think this movie is progressive? I'd still say probably. Yeah, I think it's it. It didn't it didn't like drive it home, I think, as well as it could have. I think you definitely have the the subversion and you don't you don't have like the male character saving him the end. And, you know, we talked about some of the tropes that they skipped out on. So I think it's progressive in that way. Uh, I, I think it's good to, you know, you have a, a female director, a female writer. And so I, I always think it's good. I've said this before, but you like enfranchise more people, give them more positions in your film, give them bigger roles in your film. If I think it's progressive in that way. But like the story itself, I think it missed out on opportunities to like really ramp it up. Like we've talked about a couple of things already. Just it could have been more of a commentary on like on millennial dating instead of like your worst nightmare date. And I think if it becomes more of a commentary, on how people feel going into these situations and dating online, then it becomes a lot more progressive. Yeah. And I think the my biggest problem too to think about is like I feel like some studio head said, okay, this is a story that I know is gonna make money. So I I'll put a I, I can put a woman in charge of it. I think that's that's totally fine because I'll still make money. I think that's the cynical part that I really have with this right. is that there was uh there's no trust in women uh to make this movie, to make this story. Um because it's something that's already been done. So you can, you know, you tinker with it however you want, but it's not uh, original. It's not... No, um, certainly not. It's not something like, we're going to talk about uh, both Raw and Titan, which are made by Julia de Cournot. And she is... <laughs> I mean, talk about a woman director who is concerned with body horror. I mean, both of those movies are like, you're just... They're, they're, they're films that I just... I didn't pay attention to anything in terms of uh, technique or, or formalism while I was watching it because you're just you're balancing on this this knife's edge of like what is going on right. the whole way and still exploring feminist themes. So that's really my prop my problem is, is I think this movie is going to be a footnote on on the path to progress. Like things started changing a little bit when. They started given, being given projects where they could tweak them things with 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 feminist uh, uh, lenses. But ultimately, like this is not a movie that's going to go down as something that's actually progressive. No, yeah, I tend to agree with that. And okay, well, so you did say you wanted Katya on here. The one thing she did say, she's like, one thing that would be really progressive is if uh, the girl was the killer. Oh, I like that. Yeah, because that would have been. I mean, who does that? 
You know what Hannah said to me about this movie? Mm. She was like, Steve should have served her short ribs instead of like the whatever meat he gets out for because she says like that's her favorite thing. <laughs> like, I like that Katya was like more introspective and <laughs> tried to cope with something thematically that might work better. And, and Hannah was like, uh, I think it would have been grosser if she ate ribs. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, just the like, man, I really want ribs now. <laughs> uh, I thought that would have been great. Um, uh, so yeah, so let's wrap this up on a scale of one to 10 cotton candy grapes. What do you give this? Ooh, uh, 30 minutes of excellence doesn't make a good movie. It's, it's fine. The second half, but it's nothing that I, I want, I want to watch again. So to me, it's a 6.2. Oh, that's better than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd probably put it, I, I think like six. It's fine. It's fine. And it 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 executes that genre really well, I think. The only problem is that yeah. genre has been done to death. So uh, the one little changes I kind of appreciated in it is it's not uh, gratuitous with its violence. I guess there was actually a point to like not show all this dissection and the, the butchering and everything like that. Because that's not really what the story is. It's not mm-hmm. about body horror. Uh, so I, I can appreciate it for that. It definitely changed some aspects of what i would come to expect from the genre but not enough for like we said for it to be like considered progressive filmmaking i don't think yeah exactly if that was your point you know if you wanted to be a feminist film i think he did a poor job yeah i i could i could agree with that but i think if you want to if you have hulu and you just want to throw something on this is you could do a lot worse than fresh i think i mean yeah we've seen (laughs) (laughs) we've seen a lot of terrible movies this is this is not one of them All right. Yeah. With that, we'll wrap this one up. Uh, Thanks for being on. As always, Calvin. Uh, Thanks for having me. And uh, you can find our podcast on any platform like Spotify or Apple Music. We also upload all these to YouTube. So go ahead, uh, leave a comment. Tell us what we're doing well. Tell us what we're doing wrong. And if you have any suggestions for films we should do in the future, uh, go ahead and leave it in the comments. And with that, thank you for listening to Now This Is Podcasting.